Blog Talk Radio. Good little player, but man, you can just tell 
he's a kid out there, and and that he's not LeBron James. I mean, he's not Kobe. He's not nobody to that caliber. Anthony Davis, that's a guy that's dominating the NBA right now. I just don't think Okafor is there yet. So I think one more year under Mike Krzyzewski, learning how to be an adult maybe and, and just playing team basketball would be very beneficial. These kids are just so just so focused on themselves and the NBA. They, they don't care. I, 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 just, it's, I find it hard to believe. That, that those seven Kentucky players are going to make an immediate impact in the NBA. I think they're going to be riding the bench. If they were that good, they would have won a national championship this year. That's, that's all I'm saying. They have some talent, don't get me wrong, but they're not ready to take that step. Kaminsky, I, I've heard people say he's going to be a good pro. i heard people say he's not going to be real good right now, but I mean, anytime you can shoot the ball outside at seven feet tall, you're going to, you're going to do okay. I don't care where you're playing. Uh, the physical part of the game in the NBA, I just don't see Kaminsky being able to post up some of these guys and being able to muscle his way around because these are grown men he's going to be playing against. Kaminsky is going to definitely have to hit the weight room, uh, get some steroids in his system or something because I, I just do not see that, that he's going to make an immediate impact like that. If you'd like to call in, we have a lot of people in the studio. Press number one if you'd like to talk tonight. But college basketball is over, and, you know, March Madness one of the best times of the year. Great tournament. I was very disappointed that that Duke won that game against Wisconsin and because I just like that Wisconsin team. But, you know, turn, turn around's fair play, Wisconsin beat Kentucky off. That's a controversial call or two there at the end. They got a chance to play in the championship. For some reason, it just didn't feel like those refs wanted Kentucky to be able to win the basketball game and we and we talked that. We talked about that before before tonight. But Wisconsin, you know, you look at the talent on that team, it just wasn't there. Like to be able to beat a Duke or a Kentucky. I just cannot believe that Wisconsin did beat Kentucky and then it just it just killed us. Um the Kentucky Wildcats though will regroup. And and Calipari, one thing I want to talk about tonight. How hard of a job does he have? You, you see what he does year in and year out. How draining does it have to be to start over and and teach your system, teach the, and teach these kids how to play together unselfish again? You saw it two years ago where they didn't make the NIT tournament. It may have been three years ago with the Harrison twins and and some of these guys that were on this year's team. They didn't. They lost the first first round of the NIT to Robert Morris, I believe. That's how bad it was for these guys. But now it's after two years together, they they finally started playing dominating basketball. So how hard is it going to be, number one, for Calipari to, to be able to get back to the Final Four with this team? And we're going to take a caller from Alabama. I believe this is Bertram. How's it going, man? What's going on, man? Well, are, are you sad to uh, first welcome to the show, and are you sad to see college basketball go away? No, I'm not sad, especially how it ended with Kentucky losing like that. Yeah, I was disappointed, man, that, that Wisconsin beat them, and then Wisconsin turns around and lays an egg. I mean, that that that, that kind of hurt more, Bertram, watching Wisconsin lose to Duke than, you know, watching them beat Kentucky. I just, I just thought yeah, they well, you know, finish it. 
I feel like the refs dictated both outcomes. I think the refs, Damn. you know what I'm saying, put their put their finger, you know what I'm saying, in there, and you know what I'm saying, change outcomes in in both games. Oh, definitely. I mean, no, no doubt about it. And, and you know, when I say something about the officiating, Bertram, and I watch the game through an official's eyes since I do that all the time now. And I mean, when I say something about the officials, uh, you know, I get called a hater or something like that. But that was some terrible officiating to be in the Final Four and in the championship game. I mean, who's going to hold these guys accountable? Right. It was, um, if you remember, when um, Cal first got there with John Wild and DeMarcus Cousins and Bledsoe, that group, um, West Virginia put them out. Um, DeMarcus Cousins got a quick two fouls that first half, and they dictated, you know what I'm saying, Wisconsin, I mean, not Wisconsin, West Virginia stayed in the game, and Bob Huggins beat Kentucky. Yep. It's like, you know, I I, I commend Bo, Bo Ryan for saying this, Bertram. I don't know if you remember his comments the other night. He he said, we, we play a certain way all year, we practice a certain way, and then all of a sudden in one game they change everything. So were, were his comments valid? I mean, I didn't really hear those comments. The only comments I really heard him say was he was like, oh, we don't do we don't do the rental player like the one and done. He made a comment after they lost, I guess, because he was mad or upset. Yeah, I mean, he does it the way he does it, and it doesn't mean his way is the right way. But let's look at seven Kentucky players are going to the NBA draft. I mean, isn't that number just a little too high? I just don't see seven Kentucky players being able to to make it Kentucky right now in the NBA. Oh, um, it's not, um, the NBA is real, real watered down now. And I think all seven will make a roster. I'm not saying all of them will contribute. But um, I know at least five, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. has a chance to go first round. Yeah, Carly Stein, I watch him play, and a lot of people are real high on him, maybe going fifth or sixth overall. Is he a little overrated? Um, he has he has upside, but he has to get an offensive game. He has no offensive game, and that showed in the tournament. Um, defensively, he's one of the best, but that's why I like Carl Anthony Towns. Cause I feel like he has the defense and the offense inside outside. Yeah, the Harrison twins. What do you think? One or both? Um, a good job. I don't. I wasn't a fan of them while they was playing. Um, it seemed like they was overrated, and they didn't play up to the potential that I thought. You know what I'm saying? When they was the number three and five player coming in, um, I was kind of happy to see them go. Um, I kind of like Ulyss next year. He gonna run the point for Kentucky. Yeah, it just seems like the offense flows a lot better with him in the game. The defense picks it up a notch and. And Calipari, I talked about him just a minute ago about what kind of job he's going to have to do again to, to get these these elite players, get them to, to buy into his system. Do you think Kentucky is going to be a legitimate contender next year? Um, well, right now they got um, they got Lee coming back. They got Ulysses. And they got um, Alice Porter who got injured 
this year. He's coming uh-huh. back. And I think they have the number one recruiting class right now uh, with only three players. So <laughs> I think <laughs> they're going to be okay. <laughs> well, I hope Bruce Pearl can grab a couple of those players. Yeah, that's what I want too, man. I want Bruce to grab them because um, I think Avery Johnson going to do some things too since he's um, in Alabama. It's going to be interesting. Well, while I have you here, let's and you know I'm I'm not a Bama fan or nothing, but I just want to be real. I wasn't blown away. I know Trey, the co-host of this show, he was blown away with Avery Johnson, but I'm not blown away by this hire, and it just makes me scratch my head. I never saw it coming. Maybe that's a part of it. I never saw it coming that Avery Johnson was even uh, remotely a possibility to come to Alabama. Is, is he desperate for work, or, or is Alabama a good job right now? I mean, I think he could have waited and got back in the NBA, but I think it's a it's, it's an interesting move. It caught me by surprise too. But once I heard the press conference, I heard his angle. You know what I'm saying, and how he plans to recruit and stuff like that, and he knows what it takes to get to the NBA. He is a champion, and even though he got fired two spots, and you know what I'm saying, where he was at, I think Brooklyn. I think the Dallas Mavs fired him too, if I'm not mistaken. So I want to yeah, do like a way it's, it's hard to get those guys to, you know, NBA coaches or hell, Bertram, you and I could go in there and coach. And either if we have talent or we don't, but coaching matters <laughs> in college basketball. It matters. Right. Talent matters, but also coaching. Look at Shashevsky. It's not coincidence that he's played in ten championships and won five of them. It's not a coincidence. You know, so Avery, I think these players will buy into what Avery Johnson sells, but the hire just caught me off guard a little bit. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, me too. It caught me off guard. But I still think Bruce Pearl is a better coach. What do you think? Um, Yeah, he has a better resume collegially. Um, And like I said, we haven't seen Avery Johnson yet. So, you know, it's kind of like, a wait and see approach with him, but um, I think he'll do a little better job than what Grant was doing. Well, see, I like I liked Avery Johnson, and now I can't like him anymore. It seems like, but <laughs> you know, I, I, I think he'll I, I think he'll turn it around. I mean, it's got to be better. It'll be a lot better than what it was under Grant. So I'll, I'll put it that yeah, way. Yeah. Avery Johnson can be the winner, man. He can he played the game at a high level. He's won an NBA yeah. ring, and now he's in college. How could you not respect what he's done? Yeah. Well, Bertram, man, uh, it's almost we'll be talking football about 9, 9.15 tonight. Anything you want to throw in the, the college football real quick before you go? Um, this, um, interested to see how the spring game going to go for Auburn. Um, I heard South Carolina was yesterday in Florida. I heard Florida didn't look too good. I to check them out. Yeah, I'm ready to see uh, what the spring looks like. I heard for Auburn on their side, the defense, the first scrimmage won the day, and then the offense put up five touchdowns uh, yesterday. So I don't know what to believe, but I do know there's going to be a lot of talent on that field this year and a lot more energy, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think Auburn's a uh, contender in the West again. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I got to avenge that 8-5 season. It was too many losses. 
Was it eight and five? Hell, it felt like five and eight. <laughs> yeah, it felt like five and eight. It was eight and five. Yeah. Well, Bertram, man, I know you've been working hard lately. Thanks for joining us, and call back in soon with All right, man. Take it easy. All right. You too. Mr. Bertram calling into the show. If you'd like to chat, press number one. We'll get you on. And, you know, Avery Avery Johnson at Alabama, uh, it rocked the world of a lot of people. Shocked me. I I didn't see it coming. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to be, you know, it was kind of like, to me, the same kind of reaction when Auburn hired Gene Chizik. He didn't see it coming. You were expecting a bigger name, and then all of a sudden Avery Johnson. It's kind of like that. I mean, Avery Johnson's a big name, but it's just surprising when when somebody gets hired that's not even on your radar. So Alabama will be a much more competitive team in basketball this year. I think Auburn's going to be a lot better. So hopefully the SEC can can get in the tournament besides Kentucky and actually do something. It's been embarrassing seeing how the SEC's performed in college basketball, and a lot of people blame the soft schedule of the SEC for Kentucky's demise, really. They they gave them credit. You know, the part of their undefeated record was because they didn't play in a strong conference. So, you know, I think if Kentucky played in the ACC or the Big Ten, maybe that had a loss. But the SEC wasn't terrible. It's just not it's just not good enough without Florida being at the top, Tennessee being good, and it's just nobody really that stood out to me this year. But college basketball is over. We will follow the NBA draft, and we have the NBA playoffs coming up soon. I'm, I'm excited to see in the Western Conference who's going to be able to win this thing. You have a San Antonio Spurs team that's, that's heating up right now that, it's hot. They they know how to win championships, and it's it's kind of scary if you if you have to play San Antonio in that first round or two. You you have to really fear playing this team. They're they're just trashing people right now. They're just blowing them out. And Golden State better be careful because in a playoff series, it it does matter. You know what kind of stars you have on your team, but also have you been there before? And and that's one thing they have been. They've won championships. Last year's team looked unbeatable. And remember, it's about the same team. So, But the only difference is they didn't have the regular season that they've had in years past. So I'm excited to see how they look this year. And a lot of MVP debate. I mean, who's the MVP of the NBA, guys? Tell me right now. Let me go into my chat room and see if anybody's there tonight. I just got it pulled up just a second ago. So if you want to go in the chat, go in there. Um, people talking about James Harden being an MVP. I mean, I just can't see that. Curry for Golden State, maybe. But does anybody think there's a better player, a more valuable player than LeBron James? Please let me know. Press number one. I'll get you on air. Who is going to be the MVP? I vote LeBron. But the only thing that, that kind of makes me hesitate about LeBron James in December, if I remember correct, around that time, he takes two weeks off because he's tired. I mean, I didn't see James Harden taking two weeks off. I saw Harden playing without Howard the entire year almost, putting his team up to possibly a number two seed in the West. And LeBron James needs a two-week vacation when his team's struggling. I just don't get it. Cuervo, welcome to the show. How's everything going? What's up, Tarvino? I'm I'm good, man. How are you? Long time no here. I know. Where have you been, man? 
I mean, sports <laughs> going on, and you, you've been hiding. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, it, it will be on. Let's be honest, it's the quiet time of the year. I mean, baseball season starting and everything, and that's exciting. But you know, the NCAA tournament just finished. Uh, but you know, draft talk is getting kind of old, so it's kind of it kind of dies down. And you know, I I understand and and things like that, and and that's why I know uh, you know there hasn't been many shows going on lately, so. Uh, but once once I got the message that you were on tonight, I was like, I need to call in. You know, I, I've been I've been getting that itch to talk some sports with, with you know, anybody from the from the uh, NDB media team, the the weigh-in sports team. So, um, well, you know, so I'm here. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, we have a little treat tonight. I was I was I received a message Thursday from. Uh, a guy named Rick, he and, and he reminded me who he was. He actually called in on the show a couple of years ago, and he trashed, I mean, trashed Alabama and Auburn and the SEC. Guess what, Cuervo, at 9.30, he's going to call back in and talk about the Big Ten, talk about Michigan, and he said he's got a message for SEC fans out there. So I'm excited to hear what he said. You know, as a host, I have to – Sometimes just listen, and I can't really weigh my opinion when somebody calls in. So I'm gonna let him, you know, spill his garbage if he if that's what he has tonight, and just see what he says. But if he says Michigan's going to the playoffs first year, I'm gonna I'm gonna die on the air. <laughs> well, well, be be ready to hit the mute button, and you know whatever you got to do to to not let anybody hear you because if, if that's what's if that's what the big announcement. Uh, is gonna be then. Um, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be right there with you. I'm gonna be right there with you, laughing along. So, um, well, you know, do I think Michigan can be? A, yeah, I, I'll, I'll be there. I, I will stay with you until we get that okay. phone call, and um, <laughs> I'll be your backup uh, you, if anything. You, you, yeah, you, you can't leave, man. You can't leave me by myself. But hey, let's talk about the NBA for a moment. The MVP race going on. Um, I mean, it's LeBron James. Isn't he the MVP of the league? I mean, honestly, how could you even talk about James Harden? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't see it either. And, and that, that would not be my pick for MVP right now, Tarvin, to be honest with you. As much as LeBron is the best player in the NBA, that's not what it's about. It's not about the best player. It's not about, uh, you know, the, the – you know, the best team with the best, you know, the best player uh, on the best team. So what is it really about? And and, and for me, my my definition of MVP is, you know, you take that person off the team and how much different does it make the team? How how much, uh, like how many wins um, different is, does that team have? You know, basically, if you take James Harden off the Rockets, you know, are they do they have ten less wins, or are they are they a playoff team? I think they could be still, um, or like with LeBron. I mean, you still have Kyrie Irving who's playing out of his mind, and you still have Kevin Love, who you know, despite the fact that they've you know they're not best friends as we all know, uh, they're still a good solid basketball team. So with that said, Harden. You know, my definition is you take them off the team and, and what are they now? And, you know, that's why I, I'm led to believe that, you know, and, and, and he and he scored a career high today, matter of fact. My pick right now, believe it or not, is Russell Westbrook. And, and, and I say that because 
you know, I don't want to hear about, well, they got Kevin Durant. No, they don't have Kevin Durant. Durant is, he's played, what, 20 games this year so far. So, no, they don't have Kevin Durant, at least for this year. So, what are what are the the Thunder without West, Russell Westbrook this year? I mean, the guy the guy is playing game after game, getting triple double after triple double, and nobody's talking about it. Well, you know, I mean, everybody's still trying to make LeBron the MVP or 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 uh, James Harden the MVP. And I'll even take it a step further. If Anthony Davis was on a better team, he would probably get more consideration. Uh-huh. But again. That that's the problem though, because he's on a team that is not a playoff contender. He's not going to get consideration, and I think it's wrong. I do too. And, and let's let's say the MVP. Let's let's make the uh, qualifications be you have to be in the playoffs. You have to be a number one or two seed. I mean, that's it. Seems like all it's about, and that's not to me. It's the who's the best player in the league. That's what the MVP is to me. And maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but LeBron James is the best player in basketball. Where would the NBA be without LeBron James? Honestly, where would it be? Well, I mean, that that's that's for that's a different conversation, Tarvin. I mean, you're you're talking about, you know, the a guy that um has the most influence on the NBA. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, again, what is valuable? What do they is it valuable just to their team? Is it valuable as in, you know, do jersey sales drop if this guy's not playing? Or, or so, so what do we mean by valuable, uh, you know, for the league? It, 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 so is it just for the season? Is it overall in, in, in sales as a league? Like, what, what are we talking about here? And so if that's what we're talking about, then – I mean, LeBron's not going to lose it until he retires. You know, I mean, you might as well make him the MVP every year because LeBron is what makes the NBA uh, what it is now. And, you know, I actually thought about it the other day, Tarvin. You know, without – you think about the, the four-year span that the NBA went between Michael Jordan retiring and LeBron James being drafted into the NBA – it was some of the worst years I've seen in them. And that's, I'll be honest, Jab really didn't even pay attention. And so between those four years that, that Michael retired and LeBron was drafted were some of the worst years that I've seen the NBA go through as far as, you know, jersey sales and, and, and ticket sales and things like that. And it was at an all-time low. I mean, hell, the, the Team USA lost uh, – they won the bronze medal in, in, the, in the Olympics or something like that, if I remember right. They were losing to – teams around the world that they had no business losing to and you know but after LeBron was was uh drafted you know things started to change and it started to feel like how it was back in the 80s and the 90s with Magic and and Larry Bird and Michael and and all those guys and um so that's why you know that's why I say that until LeBron retires when you want to talk about the league as a whole as far as profits and, and, and people watching and, and the attraction part of it, then LeBron's MVP till the day he retires, in my opinion. But if we're talking about just for the season, you know, as far as their their performance on the court, I'm giving it – me personally, I'm giving it to Westbrook. Yeah, look at what he's done. Like you said, triple-double after triple-double without 
a player that could easily be in consideration every year for the MVP, Kevin Durant. That's that's hard to do in the West. He's not playing in the East, Cuervo, where he where he can he can win and get in the playoffs just by showing up. I mean, they have to. They're in the ninth seed right now, the ninth position, and if they make the playoffs without Durant, that's that's saying a lot. Of Westbrook is saying a lot of, of the leader. I always said it. He was the leader of that team, and it wasn't Durant. He's taken that leadership role every year. Durant hasn't taken that yet. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it's it's just a. And I've been hearing a lot of people say that, and maybe it's something I don't want to believe. Maybe because I'm not high on Westbrook, but I'm, I'm gonna call it spade a spade. And you know, Westbrook is is to me is the most valuable on his team of of all players in the league right now. So, but maybe I just I need to. Maybe I need to be convinced to buy in a little bit more to Westbrook. I just, I just, maybe I just don't want to believe that he is, he is a more, uh, more valuable than than Durant is on that team when they're both playing. So, and that and that kind of leads me to believe that uh, I think Westbrook is ain't going to be in, in Oklahoma City much much longer. So, depending on his contract situation, you could see him move in the next year or two. Yeah, if you left Durant, just right now, if you if you switched out Durant and Westbrook, Westbrook was the one hurt, Durant was leading the team, this team wouldn't be no shot at the playoffs. I mean, not a chance. There's one thing that, that Westbrook can do that Durant can is, is dish that ball around. That's why he's getting all these triple doubles. He gets everyone involved. And that's why if you're Golden State right now, you don't – I mean, you're probably not going to lose to OKC in a series, but – it, they do get your attention. You can't rest in that in that first round when you're playing somebody like Westbrook that can put 50 on you and 12 assists. I mean, that's somebody that can just take over a game by himself. If he gets in his mind made up that he's going to win a series, I, that's the number one guy besides LeBron that I would want on my team. If I had an NBA franchise, Westbrook would be the guy, Cuervo. It wouldn't be Durant. And you know what, Tarvin? I mean, even though I'm not, I'm, I'm not a big Westbrook guy. I, it'd be hard to argue against that. I mean, especially the way he's playing right now. Um, you know, Westbrook is is a top. You know, you know what? Well, I'll even, I'll even go as far as saying he's probably the best point guard right now in the league. Better than Paul. Well, much better than Derrick Rose. Uh, better than um, <laughs> Kyrie Irving and, and all these other guys that are that get a lot of love throughout the season. And, and, and as much as people love Steph Curry, look, let me tell you something. If, if Golden State was a six-seed team, I guarantee you he would not be getting the love he gets right now. He's exciting to watch, and, 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 and I get that. But if Golden State was was the number six seed right now in the Western Conference, Steph Curry would get no attention he would get no consideration for MVP, but because they're the number one seed in the West right now, they have the best record in the yep. West. To me, that's the only reason he gets it. And, and he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying that I, I don't. I, I just feel like we focus too much on okay, who's the best team? Oh, okay, well, who's the best player? Who's playing the best on that team right now? Okay, that's that's our guy that we need to pay attention to or, or whatever. But you know, I don't know. I'm not saying Steph Curry is not a good player. He's a great player. I just I just think there's there are better stories going around the league right now. For just like I said, we haven't seen a point guard play 
like Westbrook's playing right now, since Jason Kidd, who, by the way, just clinched the playoff spot for the Milwaukee Bucks of all teams. I mean, how hard is that to do with, with the team that they've got up there? So, I mean, you know, that that's that's amazing. So, well, let's let's uh, bring on Trey, the co-host of this show. Trey, I mean, who do you have for MVP in your book right now? Well, for me, Tarvin, I mean, it's hard to imagine Russell Westbrook hasn't meant more to a team uh, than any other player. But I mean, you know, Golden State, you know, you can't you can't just say because they're the number one seed that, that you know that's a discount for what Seth Curry's done. I mean, they're the number one seed because of Seth Curry. Um, I mean, he has been amazing. Uh, Clay Thompson is a is, – is, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, without Seth Curry, I don't, I don't think Clay Thompson is a guy who's even who's an all-star. I think Seth Curry sets the scene for that entire team. Um, the guy can shoot from a gym that's about 100 yards away from the gym he's playing in. I mean, it's ridiculous, Darwin. So I think – I, I wouldn't have a problem with either Russell Westbrook or Seth Curry because I, I just think what Russell Westbrook has done this year without Durant uh, they all the triple doubles, but it's tonight 54 points. This team loses, but I mean, just to me, Tarvin, both those guys are just right now in a league of their own. So, so let me ask you this, Trey: You put Golden State in a seven-game series against Cleveland. Who wins? Well, I mean, it really determines on how hot Cleveland can get. I mean, they've looked disjointed at times, even down the end. Uh, you talk about who has home home court. Golden State's lost twice all year long at home. They're 37-2 and two at home. They have really held their own at home, where Cleveland is 29-10. and 10. I mean, so um, they have not been a dominant home team uh, where Golden State is. So if you think they have the home court advantage, you got to give the advantage to Golden State no matter who they play. Uh, and one of Golden State's losses is uh, – one of Golden State's losses is against Cleveland at home. Absolutely. Golden State, I believe. Yeah, I mean – Here's the thing, Tarvin. I'm not ready to crown Golden State champion right now, but I just think it's hard to discount them as well as they're playing. Yeah, especially in the Western Conference, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think, I mean, you, you talk about, Tarvin, um, you talk about matchups. I mean, New Orleans with Anthony Davis is going to give them a little bit of a matchup problem if that's who ends up being, that's what it looks like it's going to be a first round. Golden State, New Orleans is going to be a heck of a matchup for Golden State. We've seen upset 8-1, Tarvin. I'm just saying, look out for New Orleans. They're, they're about a year away, Tarvin, but they're going to be they're going to make some make some noise if they can hold off Oklahoma City. And I'm just it's just hard for me, Trey, to to say MVP without thinking about LeBron James and and I, I just think this league they're looking for someone else to look at. I mean, I guess LeBron leaving Miami the way he did, coming back to Cleveland. Do you think that hurt LeBron and, and also taking two weeks off in December, said he needed some rest? I mean, is that going to hurt his chance to be MVP? Well, it may hurt his chances to be MVP, Tarvin, but it may increase his chances of being, you know, basically winning a championship. Because, uh, and then look what we've all talked about, you know, hardly ever have we talked about in recent years there being even MVP candidate off of San Antonio. And uh, what do they do? They rest all their guys during the year, and then when it comes to playoff time, everybody forgets about San Antonio, and then all of a sudden they go through a run, and we're like, they're not this year, they're too old. We've been saying that for years. So 
you know, I think LeBron and some of these other guys who played a little bit now, I mean, LeBron's been in the, year, in, in the league almost 10 years now, are starting to look at, you know, sort of the, the, the fountain of youth owner in Tim Duncan and saying, hey, I, I want to be winning championships when I've been in the league almost 20 years. Let me see how he's doing it. So, I mean, yeah, LeBron may say, I guess I'll lose some votes for MVP, uh, but if I'm healthier when it comes down time to, you know, the the playoff and crunch time, if I'm putting up 40 because I'm rested, I think we'll all look back and say, you know, who cares? Yeah, and you know, LeBron, he, sure, he'd love the MVP. He has an ego like like all these superstars, they, they do, but rings is what, that's what LeBron's after right now. Whatever he can do to get a ring, and if he can win it with Cleveland this year, I mean, you got to think LeBron could get probably four more rings in his career at least, and he's going to be in the top two or three of all-time scoring. I mean, LeBron James still has a lot of career left, but, but how many more years does LeBron have, Trey, before we, we just forget about LeBron? Well, I mean, I don't know, maybe five. I mean, I, I think he's got a lot of time left. I mean, he's still playing at a pretty high level. Okay. Well, well, Cuervo, your Bulls are, are going to get in the playoffs. Any? Do you, do you have any feeling about how they're going to do in the East? I mean, I'm not sold on the Hawks. I know they're the number one seed. Cleveland, I mean, they're not invincible. How do you like the Bulls' chances of being able to win the East this year? Uh, I, I mean, I think, I think we still, you know, the Bulls still have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, despite the fact that things are starting to come together with everyone uh, getting healthy now, uh, you know, Derek, you know, Derek Rose is back, obviously, as we all know. But, um, you know, guys like Taj Gibson are, are, are back in the lineup and uh, Jimmy Butler. My my only concern is if they stay the four seed, they got – they're more than likely they're going to play, the you know, Washington again who eliminated them last year and can really – create a lot of matchup problems for the Bulls. Um, you know, but if they can get that three seed, then I, I'm trying and I'm trying to think of who it is now, who who would they be playing? But I mean as long as they can avoid Washington, that I mean that's something that I think would be uh, a really um you know an advantage for them just because of the size matchup and things like that. So um I just don't like I just don't like uh how they're playing right now. Um, you know, I mean, barely beating the Philadelphia 76ers last night, um, you know, losing to the Orlando Magic. I mean, those are teams that they should be, you know, handling pretty easily going into the playoffs. And and, and maybe maybe they're taking a different approach now this year as far as how they end the season, you know, because the biggest knock on Tom Thibodeau is that he plays the guys too hard. So maybe this year what they're doing is they're like, look, you know, uh, we we secured a playoff spot. Let's kind of tone it down. That way, come playoff time, we can go ahead and and play how we normally play. So maybe that's the approach. You know, Tarvin, I'm not in Chicago anymore, so I don't I don't get to hear all the Chicago talk anymore. Uh, but I, as a fan, you know, I'm kind of hoping maybe that's what it is. They're just kind of taking it easy until until the playoffs begin next weekend. And, um, you know, but, but, the, but the key thing is, you know, health. You know, as long as everybody's healthy and everybody's, everybody's good and ready to go, then, um, you know, no major injuries and things like that, then 
then uh, I think the Bulls will be fine. I think they'll get at least to the conference finals. Well, Trey, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict Cleveland and San Antonio in the NBA Finals. Who are you gonna predict? We're going for, with predictions right now, huh? Cleveland and who? Cleveland and uh, San Antonio. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm gonna I, I like Cleveland. I really think that they're gonna make it. They're the two seed right now. I think the East is gonna come down to them in Atlanta. Um, we, you and I have talked about Atlanta sort of ad nauseum. You know, Toronto, I really have the three seed. I mean, come on. Chicago to four. Uh, you know, uh, I'll tell you the one thing I know, even though they're four games and they're 500, Tarvin, Boston, you know, we talk about a coach jumping from college, and now they're in the playoffs with really a terrible roster. Uh, really, really can't say enough about the coaching job that's being done at Boston. Uh, but they're not a, really a factor for an NBA sort of run for the championship. So I have Cleveland as well, Tarvin. Uh, right now, early on, and this is sort of pre, um, pre-playoffs, pre I haven't started looking at my seeding yet because uh, all the seeds aren't locked in. But, uh, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. How, I'm about, at the how about this? Right Sunday, how about Sunday night? You'll have them ready. Yeah. We'll, we'll both. I, I need some more time to study, too, because still a lot I haven't been able to look at. A lot of injuries. I know Memphis had an injury. With Gasol today, which they're a mm-hmm. two seed, that could that could knock them down to three if they, if, you know, if they lose a game or two right now. The Clippers could move up to that number two. Memphis could be the team in trouble in the playoffs right now. Yeah, and you know, depending on Oklahoma City and, and you know, New Orleans, that that could be a heck of a eight-one series, and that really could shake out. I think a lot of people just assume that Golden State is going to run through the West. But, I mean, I look at that 8-1 matchup, and whether it's New Orleans or whether it's Oklahoma City, I think in the star power, you know, we we all love to see Westbrook, you know, go against uh, Steph Curry and to see who can score the most points. But I really think that either one of those teams might actually give Golden State a really good run in the first round, and that could change the entire Western Conference. So, yeah, I'd like to see how the seeds play out, Carmen. Uh, I'll be ready next week. All right, well, let's move on into football, of course. And Rick will be joining us at 9.30, 18 minutes away. Interested to hear his comments and, and about the SEC and the Big Ten. But, but, Trey, spring games are starting right now all across college football. Next week we have Auburn and Alabama's playing. Florida State played yesterday. A lot of talent on that Florida State team. But I want to start real quick on Gary Patterson's comments Um you know, after the committee left him out, he, he acted real classy about it. He's still acting classy, but he, he did take a, a shot at the committee in saying that the conference championship shouldn't matter when selecting it. So he, he's still upset that he dropped the way he did. And, and here we are today, and still no Big 12 championship, no expansion, anything like that. So... Do you agree with Gary Patterson that the conference championship game shouldn't have mattered? Ohio State, I don't think, should have been in the playoffs to begin with. They won the championship. I'm not changing that. They got hot at the right time and won it all. But I think Gary Patterson's wrong, Trey, in saying that the conference championship game should not matter. No, I think it absolutely does matter. And I'm a fan of conference championships. So, I mean, I go against that. I know a lot of people – 
you don't like them because they think that, you know, oh, it takes away our chances of being two teams in, or whatever, this, I think, whatever the argument is against it, Tarvin. I like the fact that you have one true champion. I like the fact that two teams go in and one of them is the true champion. One of them gets to say, I am the SEC champion for this year, and then nobody gets to dispute that. You know, with the Big 12, you had what? Their whole motto was one true champion. And what happens when they got under the gun, Tarvin? They did co-champions for Baylor and TCU. They went against their entire motto that they had for a year. They did away with it just because it came time for one of those two teams to possibly make the playoffs, and they both got left out. So I don't like what, what the Big 12's done. You know, you and I talked about it in the preseason last year. I said uh, when I predicted that that was going to cost them a spot, and it did. Um, that was pre, that was preseason last year. I said, you know, you watched. It's going to mm-hmm. cost them, and it did. Ohio State got in there simply because, um, we couldn't determine who Baylor and TCU were. If they'd have played a conference championship, Tarvin, I guarantee the Big 12 champion would have been in over Ohio State, and who knows what would have happened last year. So that's and, why. And, and the way they beat them, though, and and the way they beat a good Wisconsin team, I mean, yeah. 59 to nothing, they they came in there, and the, yeah, they lost to Virginia Tech, but you're right. They didn't know true Big 12 champions. So let's let's go back in time and let's pretend the Big 12 commissioner came out and he said, look, Baylor is our champion right now. If they went out, they're the Big 12 champion. Would it matter? Would it even matter? Well, in the scenario we had last year, I don't think it would have because just because they paper champion somebody, people wanted to see them play. People wanted to see what happened if they played on who was the better team at the end of the year. And so I, I think had we had that game, you know, now in 2016 – with the rules relaxing on conference championships, maybe the Big 12 will go into a, a, a Big 12 championship even with just 10 teams. I think it would be good for football. I think it would be good for the Big 12 uh, more than anybody else. Uh, that way last year, um, instead of having this two teams left out, they get a shot to play each other, and we'd really determine who may go in. I just I, I look at that, and I look at all the teams with, with, with champions, Tarvin, and I, and I see – uh, year in and year out thing, the Big 12, unless they have a team run the table, they're going to be running into this every year because we're going to get to see the Pac-12 champion. We're going to get to see the ACC champion, the SEC champion, the, the Big 10 champion. And, you know, you're going to see teams play without much, you know, much buy-in from anybody else those weekends. And we're all watching conference championships and we're all, they all get sort of a point up because we all watch, everybody watches them play at that point. Yeah, and, and and to sit here and play Iowa State the last game and beat them by 50 points, nobody cared. I mean, nobody cared if they won that game 20 to 17 or 50 points. It didn't matter because it wasn't a championship game. Nothing really mattered. As long as, as TCU won the game, that's all that mattered. But when you start looking at TCU and Baylor's out-of-conference schedule, Trey, what do you see now compared to last year? One of the one of the beasts with Baylor, the out-of-conference schedule, TCU didn't play a great out-of-conference schedule. They did play Minnesota, but what have they done to improve that? Yeah, one of the things that we're going to do real soon is you and I are going to go through. I've been working on the out-of-conference schedules and why I'm going to go ahead and make predictions. You, know, you and I made predictions last year in July. Um, you know, I was able to hit three of the four finalists last year at Harvard. I'm doing that again this year. And I can tell you right now, I'm looking at TCU and Baylor, and I'm not, and I'm not seeing a lot out of conference that's going to make anybody want to watch a game. They really haven't done much. TCU has a game that we'll talk about, Tarvin. But Baylor, I mean, geez, man. I mean, 
we're talking about like Northwestern State University, and it's bad stuff for Baylor. And Baylor, I mean, losing losing their quarterback. But I think the comment Bart Browse made last year didn't sit well with the committee. And, and, and you know, some people think that, oh, he, he, he got on the committee next year, they'll get him back and make him okay. But I think they're going to be like, screw you, Art Browse. You, you still haven't done anything different compared to what you what you got left out for the last year. And I, and I think they had a beast only because they beat TCU, but we all knew that TCU was a better football team than than Baylor last year, and they got hosed. But I, I just think Art Browse is a crybaby. I just think, you know, him saying that the Big 12 needed a Texan on the committee, you know, and, and all that stuff, I, I think it's going to be bad for Baylor. And I think the insecurity – you have, to, you have to blame the Big 12 commissioner uh, on all that, but still, it's going to be the same thing as last year. And you did say it early, early. I think it was in like April you said this, maybe, it was, or when the playoff committee was announced, that you said the Big 12 was going to be in trouble unless someone went undefeated. You were right. And uh, you were a prophet, Trey. Well, sometimes you get lucky when I was, you know, when uh, you know, two years ago when I got the Super Bowl matchup before the season, I got to talk about that all year. And then last year, I didn't get either one of them in, so that was I was kind of quiet about that. So, you know, hey, uh, some some years you're really good at, at, progno- at you know being a, the prognosticator, uh, but that one's easy, man. I think that one was really easy. I think you, know, you look at you know just how college football goes, and that that one was just you know it was just on paper. It was there for all of us to see early on, and I don't see it changing. And I think the Big 12 is a very good conference, and it's getting better. And so I think it's going to get tougher and tougher to leave them out. But the fact is, when you have a one-loss team without a conference championship, and you're going to get all these stupid three-way ties and four-way ties, or how many ever-way ties the Big 12 is going to end up being in championships. And every year, it's going to be this. You know, who's better? TCU. It's going to be Texas. Is it Oklahoma? Whoever has a one-loss, they're going to get into this we beat them, but they beat us. But you didn't play anybody at a conference. And meanwhile, a Pac-12 champion is going to jump them, or a Big Ten or an SEC. I mean, you're just going to keep getting jumped like this because they get to go and they get to play on Saturday and while we're, all of us are watching. Uh, and they, they show up like Ohio State did last year. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to watch. Yeah, and the committee made a statement, and it says, unless you're a one-loss SEC team, you better win your conference championship if you're going to get in. We saw Ohio State do it. We saw Florida State get rewarded for it. And and it's just one of those things. You have to win your conference. Oregon won the Pac-12. They they got to play in it. So I, I don't know, Trey. I, I just don't think anybody's going to get in unless it's like a 11-1 uh, Alabama team or maybe 11-1 Auburn team. Somebody, they're not, you're not going to get in in another conference really with one loss if you're not a conference champion. I just don't believe it anymore. Absolutely and I think the message yet. was sent. I mean, it was yeah, loud and clear. But I'm, I'm always 100% accurate, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> Unless you're wrong. Hey, you're I was going to ask you real quick. I don't know. You know, I, I thought Florida wasn't going to have a, a spring game this year. And uh, that's what the expert Joey Vizzi or whatever the heck his name is, told me. But they played a scrimmage game yesterday or an eight-day game and didn't look too good to me, Trey. I don't know if you got a chance to catch that, but what do you think about your the Florida Gators, your 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 enemy there, the R-Tribal? 
Well, we talked about how they were already struggling on the offensive line. Tarvin Will looks like one of their starters blew an ACL, uh, I think, in that A game. Um, Rod Johnson, and he was supposed to be a big starter. He was a guy Florida State recruited. He was good. He was one of their better guys. He was going to be solid. Uh, He's now probably going to miss the year. Uh, Looks like, well, that's what we're looking at now is is how far is he going to miss. Is it going to be the whole year? I mean, we already talked about how little they had on the offensive line, Tarvin. And, you know, we saw in that that A game or whatever you want to call it, Willie Greer um, looked real bad under pressure, made a lot of bad reads. Uh, We saw the other freshman who played last year, Treyon Harris, didn't look good. A lot of of throws that didn't go where they were supposed to. So if you're a Florida fan, I'm telling you, Greer is probably your best bet over Treyon Harris. Treyon Harris probably will play next year because he can get out of the pocket. Uh, And Will Greer didn't look good when he was rushed. And guess what, Tarvin? They're going to get rushed all (laughs) year long. Yeah, you have an unproven quarterback, new offense, and no offensive line. That's that's a recipe for disaster. And and I know that that Florida Gator fan guaranteed at least eight wins. And I've looked through that schedule trade, maybe six. And that's if they have a good year. Six wins for Florida. And I know it's early. This that's my way way too early preseason prediction here. But Florida's in for a rude awakening if they think they're going to just walk into the SEC and and beat people up, especially having to play Florida State this year again. Well, I mean, you know, I predicted that Florida was going to bounce back last year. I was wrong on that totally. Uh, but this year, Tarvin, I'm not doing it. Well, Cuervo, your Tennessee Volunteers, um, I think their spring game spring game is next weekend, if I'm not mistaken. This is a team that, that if you're not excited about the Tennessee Volunteers on the recruiting trail the last two years, what Coach Butch Jones is doing there, then you're just not a big Tennessee fan. But this, these guys have a legitimate chance to, to get in and make some noise, um, some good games at home this year, and, and another year under the belt of, of, I can't remember the quarterback's name, but when they brought him in last year, they just look like a totally different team. What do you think about your volunteers coming into this year? Oh, well, I'm, I, I've been excited the past couple of years, uh, Tarvin. I, I know I love uh, Butch Jones's uh, saying of, you know, brick by brick because – you know, that, that makes that lets me know that you know at least he understands and the expectation is not that it's going to happen overnight as far as them becoming a contender and in the division again. I'm not even talking about conference. You know, brick by brick, you got to win the division before you can win the conference. So, um, you know, I'm definitely excited about that. I'm excited about Josh Dobbs, who's the name of the quarterback. He's coming back. Yes, thank you. Uh, his, Sorry, his uh, junior. I think he's a junior now. But, um, yeah. you know, he's, he's a guy that can make some plays. And, 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 you know, as long as he doesn't uh, try to be Cam Newton out there and, and, and try to become Superman, then I think he's going to, you know, do just fine for them. But, you know, the thing I love the most, Tarvin, is I love the way they ended the season, uh, you know, just beating up on Iowa. Um, I don't know how much that is to say, but, you know, it's it's just – it's one of those things where it just it's, – it signifies the the return of, of Tennessee as a relevant football team in the SEC because, you know, you get back in the, in the bowl season and, and to be able to dominate against a Big Ten team like Iowa, who's, who's you know, a, a good uh, Big Ten contender, I mean, that, that right there, it's, it's got me really excited about where Tennessee can go from here and, and – you know, another top ten recruiting class. I don't know where they finished exactly, but I, I'm 
I would imagine it was top ten at least. And, top five, um, I think. Yeah, so if they, you know, top five, top ten, whatever the case may be, and uh, you know, they they they're just continuing to build the bricks, you know, build that wall that they that they're trying to, uh, you know, create, and and you know, you got the Barry brothers there still, so. There's a lot of things going on down there in Knoxville, and, and I'm excited as a fan. I'm very excited. Well, you, you should be. And, and when I look at predictions and I look at Tennessee's a team that I, I have favored right now to win the East, and it's, I look at the quarterback play. Georgia uh, lost a lot. They're bringing in a new quarterback. South Carolina's bringing in a new quarterback. Florida doesn't have a quarterback. Kentucky and Vanderbilt are irrelevant. So, when you look at the SEC East, Missouri, I mean, they won it two years in a row, but I would be shocked if they if they won it again. I think their run is over, and that's what you have to look at. Look at the schedule of the team you're talking about here, and then you look at the quarterback play. Tennessee, to me, is a favorite to win the East this year, and I'll, I'll say it now in, in April. I know it's a long way off, but I just don't see a quarterback on the level of Dobbs right now. Cuervo. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean that that is that is a big uh, that is a lot to face, you know, in this time of the year. But uh, but at the same time, you know, I know you know SEC football, and 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 uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue against it. And and I hope he is the best in in the uh, at least in the division, uh, let alone the conference. So, um, but I think he's gonna be the most one of the most uh, exciting to watch. That's for sure. Um, you know, Tennessee's really hasn't had this style of quarterback to my at least in my recent memory. It's all it's been about the pocket passers and stuff like that. So, um, you know that that shows that you know the program is willing to change their traditions a little bit, and there's nothing wrong with that um, as long as it equals wins. You know, so um, that that's a, that's got me excited. There's no rule book into how to run. You know how to run your offense. I mean, you run it to the style that you feel is best, and you know for Tennessee, and if they got to change it up and become more of a spread type offense, then that's what's going to happen. And, and but as long as it equals wins, you know that that's what I that's what I look for. Yeah, next Sunday night we're gonna we'll break down Alabama and Auburn spring game. I'm excited to see what Jeremy Johnson looks like. Um, a big phenom stud that Gus Malzahn says is is almost NFL ready. He never said that about Nick Marshall. Uh, he says Gus, he says that Jeremy Johnson is going to be a top draft pick in the NFL. Which if that's the case, that's going to be good news for Auburn fans out there. And uh, Javon Robinson running back with Rock Thomas. And remember the big addition to Auburn or two, uh, Will Muschamp, and he he brought his. Uh, or T-Rob back with him from Florida. So the defensive side of the ball for Auburn is the one that's going to be in question here. The offense is going to be fine. Can the defense play well enough to be able to, you know, to to win a championship? And Gus Malzahn admitted, admitted he made a mistake last year when when he was in the in the middle of the season. He did not hit with the defense or offense during practice the defense was real soft. This year in spring, they just said to hell with it. They just started hitting each other, going crazy. So uh, we'll see. And I just meet Cuervo. We just lost Cuervo. Uh, he'll try to join us back in a few minutes. Rick should be on in a minute, Trey. Or are you interested in hearing what Rick has to say about the SEC? 
Hey, uh, uh, you know, we always let people talk, um, and that's necessarily mean it'll be great or interesting. But hey, he hasn't been on the show since a very bold prediction before. Uh, you know, I can understand why he'd be why he would be so excited right right now. I mean, he's a, a Michigan fan with a lot of uh, reason to be optimistic. I guess we'll so we'll see what he has to say. Well, well, he did actually come back after that bold prediction. Remember, and uh, yeah, I remember. he ate his crow. He ate his crow, and uh, the Alabama Nation was real upset after his initial call. You know, he said they were going to beat Alabama. There's a bunch of cheaters, and Michigan was back, and Alabama beat him by about 30 points. And then all of a sudden, Rick dropped off the face of the earth. But now all of a sudden, Harbaugh's here, and Rick has has reemerged from the dead. That's one thing about me, Trey. I, I don't I don't die off. Auburn was. What three and nine that year? I think it was when we, our first year of doing this show. That was a very painful year to do radio during football. But you know, I, I showed up every week and and took it like a man, didn't I? Uh, yeah, you did actually. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, is it true that Winston got arrested again? Or was that the only thing he's been arrested for is getting that first pick. I saw an article. I don't know if you saw. I posted it, and then after I did it, I thought it might be a joke that that he was arrested for loitering outside of a gas station. Well, the website you posted it from was a parody website, so it actually said parody <laughs> in the website name. So maybe, uh, uh, <laughs> maybe not true. Man, there are so many Jameis Winston haters out there. But the more I watch this kid now, mentally. Trey, I don't know if he's ready for the NFL. We'll see. But physically, he has all the tools that he needs to to be able to. Well, I mean, a lot of kids are, are not very mentally ready. I mean, that's one of the, the cons about nowadays where you have all these kids who are leaving as underclassmen. A lot of times they're not ready yet for the mental, but with the way the money rules in the NFL and you had to go you had to start that second year contract and it's really hard to tell a guy who may only have five or six years in the NFL to stay an extra year in college when, you know, the only way you get that big money is just just to get to the NFL sooner. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let's bring Jonathan on real quick. I think this is Jonathan. Jameis Winston, man, are you uh are you are you believing he's gonna be the number one overall pick? I'm already sold on it. Um, I'm excited. Uh, if you all haven't heard, we've already had a mass uh, rush of people purchasing Jameis Winston number five Tampa Bay Buccaneers jerseys. It, it's it's the worst kept secret right now is that he, you know, and there's there's a story out there right now that the um, the daughter of you know Mr. Glazer, uh, she is nervous about drafting Jameis because she's afraid of what it might do as a um, a publicity hit to the team. But at this point, I, I think Lovey's in love with them. Jason's in love with them. And, you know, we're going to have a new quarterback. And mentally, I don't, you know, I don't know if any rookie's ready mentally to step into the NFL, but I know Jameis is going to have a great support system uh, around him with that organization. It's just sad. I know you love Tampa, but it's just can he resurrect that program? I mean, that that team, can he – I mean, they have talent. I mean, they just never had a quarterback. 
Are you willing to say that if Jameis Winston has a good year, if he's at Tampa, they can make the playoffs first year? I think if Jameis has a successful year, uh, we will have a good shot of making the playoffs. I mean, you and I both watched it last year. We all did. In which that division wasn't necessarily the scariest. Um, <laughs> I mean, Carolina kind of limped out of there with a uh, with that division. So, and I think that's the nicest way I can put it, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see because the only problem is our offensive line is just an absolute unmitigated disaster, uh, as it has been ever since the Super Bowl run. So. I mean, I have high hopes for him, and if he has a great year, I mean, I fully expect us to be in the playoff chase because the last time we had a quarterback with a decent year um, and a truly decent year, not an inflated one, we actually made a Super Bowl run with Brad Johnson. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we're waiting on Rick to get here. I'm interested to hear his comments. He, maybe he, hell, maybe he, he went missing again, Trey. I don't know. I mean, Rick, the Michigan fan, I believe we have him. Right now, let me check and see if this is Rick. I believe this is a mission, Michigan area code here. Uh, Rick, welcome to Weigh In Sports. How are you? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing tonight? You... Doing good, Rick. Uh, long time, no talk. How long has it been, man? Oh, man, it's probably been about a year or so since I've been on the show. I've been been listening in, uh, but... Uh, I hadn't had the opportunity to give you guys a call, so so I'm glad to be with you tonight. Um, hey, before we even get started, because uh, we had some, uh, well, I know we had some uh, a little bit of uh, confusion last time around. Uh, uh, I know this was uh, difficult for a lot of our our uh, southern listeners to uh, to comprehend, but um, it's possible to be from a southern state but go to a northern school. So uh, I know you, we got some uh, some wannabe detectives. Uh, uh, last time around, uh, I am from Arkansas, uh, born and raised there, but I actually went to Michigan uh, um, uh, for college, so um, uh, that's, why, that's why we have the accent. So I wanted to clarify that before we got into a, too much talk uh, about football. Yeah, you, I think you did clarify that last time, and, and uh, yeah, it is possible to, to go somewhere other than a community college if you're from the south, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that confused some of our listeners uh, the last go around that uh, that there are, there are some of us that actually go to northern schools uh, that are from southern states is uh, you know the, you know the Civil War kind of settled that about 160 years ago we're able to kind of cross the border there the Mason Dixon line and and go to college <laughs> up there so it's a great thing it's good well tell us about your thoughts about Jim Harbaugh being the next Michigan head coach I mean uh, I know well, you you told me that you think they can contend year one in the playoffs. Well, yeah, I mean, we're we're obviously really excited uh, about Coach Harbaugh coming in and um, and turning the program around. It's been a long time um, since we've competed at, at hopefully the level we're getting ready to, and uh, I think it uh, kind of um, you know speaks of um, uh, to the to the fact that uh, there's a trend in college football, and I think we saw it in bowl season with the SEC getting dominated, or at least the ranked teams. I know they were seven and five. Um, uh, overall, but as far as the ranked teams go, I think the SEC was two and four against ranked opponents. So I took a little bit of a beating the last time I was on, you know, trying to um, advocate for uh, the Big Ten and Big Ten football. And um, it was nice to see uh, um, 
uh, bowl season play out the way that it did. Uh, you know, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, as far as Michigan goes, I know Ohio State's certainly um, the top dog in college football right now after uh, embarrassing Alabama and, uh, and then, of course, completely embarrassing uh, Oregon. But uh, I kind of feel like Coach Harbaugh coming in uh, will help us uh, get to where we need to be, and, and hopefully we'll be right there uh, with Ohio State um, uh, competing for championships. But, yeah, looking looking at last bowl season, you know, Ohio State, you know, 42-35 over Bama. Uh, I know Georgia Tech um, beat Mississippi State, and TCU just pulled Mississippi's pants down and embarrassed them. And those were the three top-ranked teams from the SEC. Uh, got got uh, got two of them at least got destroyed uh, in their bowl game. So, not to mention, um, you know, Auburn coming in and losing to a Wisconsin team that Ohio State had just um, demolished uh, a couple of weeks before. So, uh, you know, the Big Ten doesn't get a whole lot of respect, but I think that um, you know a lot of your listeners and a lot of folks around the country were their eyes were opened. Uh, this past bowl season that the SEC is no longer, uh, you know, the top dog. And, um, of course, that's not going to stop them from doing what they do, win at all costs, try to recruit uh, wife beaters and uh, criminals and uh, and all the things that they do to try to get an advantage. But at the end of the day, you know, the teams with the um, – you know, their priorities in order, um, the teams that, that have done it the right way, uh, in the end, you know, it's kind of like they say cheating. You know, it's a, it's a temporary win. Uh, but in the long run, uh, you know, the good guys went out. The teams that do it right eventually went out. So it was good to see that uh, this past bowl season. So who who are you pulling for when you watched Ohio State? I know that's your your rival in Michigan there, Ohio State, against Alabama, a team that obviously you don't like being from the SEC. Who were you really rooting for? Well, obviously, I, mean, I, was, I was rooting for the – that was a tough one because uh, – um, you know, it's just you hate to you hate to pull for your rival at any point. But I'm so I was I think they're all of us really were just are so sick of the 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 ESPN bias and the media bias for the SEC. I had to pull for a, a one of the few times in my life I had to pull for Ohio State. I was glad to see them uh, glad to see them get it done uh, against um, against Alabama. So you know i think we the michigan game last year we hung in there pretty close with them it was 42 to 28 i believe the the bama game was 42 35 so i don't know I mean, we heard all season long about how uh elite these teams were and it just did not um just didn't play out in the bowl season but i was glad to see ohio state shut them up and uh, uh that that needed to happen obviously so it's good it was good to see oh. So how much are you buying into the fact that, you know, you hear some SEC fans say that, well, if they're not playing for championships, the games don't matter. Say that Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, they weren't up for those games maybe. What, what do you say to those people? Yeah, I'd say it's, that's just a typical um, loser mentality. You know, I mean, what does it say about a team that can't get up for a bowl game? I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, it's, it's it's something that I guess a loser would say. Um, you know, it's it's just it's a it's you get your tail kicked. So what else are you going to say? Oh, we didn't care about it anyway. I mean, that's that's pitiful. <laughs> that's all I got to say to that. It's just pitiful. Well, well how do you think Alabama's going to do this year coming back? And uh, and first, your thoughts on 
Jonathan Taylor, the player Nick Saban, I don't know if you heard this story at all. I guess you did with your comment yeah. that Nick Saban recruited yeah. Jonathan Taylor. A couple of weeks later, he gets kicked off the team for allegedly yeah. hitting another woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, look, I mean, you know, Georgia Georgia is probably one of the few teams in the conference that I think probably has a, a coach that, that – that has some measure of integrity. So, I mean, you got to look at that situation and, and uh, here's a guy that's, you know, has a history of, of domestic violence, which is inexcusable. And, um, and I hope none of these callers want to talk to me about Frank Clark. Um, you know, it was a Michigan player that, that had a fourth degree misdemeanor. I mean, a fourth degree misdemeanor and got into an argument with his girlfriend and those charges were dismissed, but you're talking about a guy um, Jonathan Taylor, who had already done it once, and I think it shows Nick Saban's obsession with winning at all costs. I mean, and Gus Malzahn too. I mean, he wanted him too. So don't tell me it was just Nick Saban. I mean, this is the mentality of the SEC. We don't care if you've killed, raped. We don't care what you've done. If you if you if you can get out there and make tackles and shed blocks and get off get off the football and get into someone's backfield, we got a spot for you. Uh, and um, you know, it's hard for a zebra to change its stripes, and he does it again, and then, of course, they have to dismiss him. So, I mean, give me a break, man. I mean, I could sit here all night and talk about the SEC's, you know, record uh, over the years. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, if you look at, you know, the last 20 years, I guess you could say the entire SEC hadn't been on probation in the last 20 years because guess who hasn't? Vandy, but Alabama, Kentucky, Georgia, Florida – Mississippi, Mississippi State, Tennessee, South Carolina, Auburn, Arkansas, and LSU have all been on probation within the last 20 years. And um, since the 1950s, I looked this up, uh, 43 times um, uh, the NCAA has had to punish uh, SEC schools. So this is a long legacy of um, really an embarrassing legacy of uh, when it all costs, you know, does character doesn't matter, Doing it the right way doesn't matter. And I think that's what people are starting to realize about, you know, programs like Michigan, like Ohio State, like Wisconsin. You know, these guys, Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, they're going to do it the right way. They're going to put character first, academics first. And it's just a better product. Uh, You know, those guys are going to be able to, you know, it must be nice to be able to sleep at night. Uh, I can't imagine Nick Saban uh, or or any of these guys down down south gets, um, you know, or gets a many many good nights of sleep in light of the way that they run their programs. Now, Rick, Ohio State. Now, I have to say this: Urban Meyer, when he was at Florida, he had more arrests and people in prison than anybody I, I can think of. So, so did he change the way he coached because he went up north, or or what? Well, I think he just got out. Of, I think he just got out of the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what he did. <laughs> I mean, no one's ever talked about that. Maybe he, maybe, maybe that was the problem. Maybe Urban Meyer wasn't the problem. Maybe the well, SEC was the problem. This is how we hey, do. This is how we do things. Well, Tarvin, I mean, Ohio State's been on probation quite a few times themselves. I mean, Maurice Corrette. I mean, Terrell Pryor. I mean, they've had a lot of. Let's not put Ohio State in a, in a good boys club. I mean, make your point, Rick. But let's not let's not get too carried away. Ohio State has been has been around the block a time or two when it comes to getting in trouble. Yeah, I just think you're, it's apples and oranges when you're talking about uh, any Big Ten team versus what's going on and has gone on in the SEC. 
Well, I mean, you want to talk about Big Ten? You want apples and oranges? Let's 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 call. It, let's look at some pairs. How about Penn State, buddy? I mean, just I mean, when you go, I get it. If you want to talk about Michigan, but when you start differentiating a conference, when when Penn State had one of the worst atrocities and well, is the worst atrocity that we've ever known in college football. Um, you know, you make say apples and oranges, but you start throwing your yeah, conference in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no defense. Uh, I mean, no one could, no one could defend what went on in that program, and that it was just a sick, disgusting. I mean, there's there is no defense for that, so I wouldn't even try to offer one. Uh, obviously, that was, um, you know, just a really sad, sick, um, you know, atrocious uh, thing that went on there, and uh, and thankfully, uh, the people that were responsible, uh, you know, paid for it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I'm just saying, you know, uh, you, you can make your point. I just, you know, Ohio State and Penn State haven't been model citizens of the pack, uh, excuse me, of the Big Ten. All I'm saying. Well, yeah, I mean, no, no one's perfect, but I just think, you know, when you start stacking these things up and you start looking at what's going on and even what's what has gone on and what is going on, uh, man, you know, it's the SEC has really they have a reputation for 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 whatever it takes, whoever it takes. Uh, Nick Saban, in particular, uh, is a guy that's going to push the envelope. You know, if, if there's a rule, he's going to sit down and find out ways to skirt. Instead of honoring the rule uh, and 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 following, he's going to find a way around it. He's going to find a loophole. He's going to find a. Um, and it's just to me, it's just indicative of the entire conference for the most part over the years. Uh, and uh, and as I said, I think a lot of people are just burned out, and I'm one of them. Uh, that are just burned out on on hearing about it, and uh, and that's what I guess that's what's made this last uh, football season and this last bowl season uh, particularly enjoyable uh, for for us Big Ten fans with seeing uh, the 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 big bad SEC get kind of knocked off their high horse a little bit. So so how do you think the SEC is going to look this year? If you look at the teams and. It, it it may not be a, an up year for the SEC, especially if you look at the quarterback position of all the teams. I mean, you have Jeremy Johnson. He's He doesn't have much experience at all. He's going to be with Auburn. Alabama lost their quarterback. Uh, the kid at Mississippi State, Prescott's the only returning starter, really, in the SEC West. And you know what the SEC East is like. Could this year be worse for the SEC than last year? It sure looks that way. I mean – you know, you never know. I mean, the, the, the way the polls have come out the last few years, they certainly have had. I, I feel like they've had an advantage in the polls. With it seems like the last few years, there's been quite a few top in the top ten. There's been you know between four to six. It seems like schools starting the preseason, but it could be a down year. I mean, I think I personally think Alabama just just they've kind of been the the um, the, uh, the 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 standard in the conference the last few years. It certainly seems like they're on a downward trend. Um, I mean, how long can you stay up? You know what I mean. And uh, um, I just think uh, what goes up must come down. It looks like they're, you know, they're kind of fizzling out a little bit. I know they'll, they've got some talent, but they got a lot of holes they got to plug. And uh, just seems like uh, yeah, everybody's kind of caught up with them. Uh, I think that you look at the last uh, couple of uh, years and uh, in the big games, you look at the last three games they had last year, and they gave up tremendous. For a team that was known for great defense, and I mean, they gave up gaudy numbers. 
it seems like Saban and, and Smart just cannot figure out uh, the up tempo, uh, newer modern systems, and um, you know, they've just gotten their, their tails kicked um, uh, by that. So uh, Auburn, I think, is a team will probably only up and up a little bit in the SEC just because uh, what the style they run and the recruits they have. They like seem like they have a lot of energy around the program right now. Uh, all the Tennessee might be on an upwards. Uh, swing a little bit, but it seems like everybody else is um, either a big question mark or or headed downward. I totally agree, man. I mean, that's that's exactly exactly the way I see it. What do you think about real quick? I know I don't know if you know much about Florida State and losing Jameis Winston and everything. What do you think they're going to look like uh, coming in this year with Mr. Jimbo Fisher? Tough to say, but I mean, you look at you look at <laughs> you look at those guys last year and even the year before. I mean. To say that that Florida State rode the back of Jameis Winston is an understatement. I mean, he he won so many games for them, uh, so many games uh, that it's just ridiculous. So until you know, you'd have to just think that there's no way to, that they could replace a guy like that. There's no way to replace that kind of production. So I look for them to be, um, I look for them to be down. And honestly, I look for. Uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. You know, no one talks about the Pac-12, but I, I believe they had the best best record last year when going six and two in the bowls. And I think we're seeing a shift in college football, going from the SEC more toward uh, the Big Ten and, of course, uh, the Pac-12. And don't forget about the Big 12, who who has some some good teams out there with TCU and um, um, Baylor, uh, especially TCU coming back this year. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think. I think it's, things are cyclical. I think the SEC is on a downward trend. I think the the big dogs are on a downward trend, and everybody else is going to come up, and and we're going to see something different over the next couple of years. Well, one last question, and I don't know what you think. I looked at the list of, you know, now these schools can the big Power Five conferences can start paying their players stipends or stipends and. Auburn and Tennessee are number one and two of paying players. How's that going to impact? Seems like the SEC schools are right there, been able to pay the most money for their their talent. So how's that going to impact recruiting in the years to come? Well, I think you already know. I mean, um, like I said before, if there's a loophole, if there's any kind of advantage that can be exploited, these SEC schools are going to find it, and they're going to they're going to maximize it um, with very little regard to. Uh, you know the law, uh, with very little regard to what, it, what what's acceptable. Um, I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, these schools are going to do everything they can do to get an advantage, whether it's cheating, whether it's you know paying them legally or illegally. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, these schools are you know outside of uh, you know football. I mean, that, why, why else do they exist? Exactly. Well, last thing before you go, anything you want to say to the Alabama Auburn fans out there that that think you're a piece of crap? Maybe that that I'm getting messages right now. They don't they don't really like you too much, Rick. Well, I mean, I don't <laughs> think anybody likes it when they they have to, um, you know, be be faced with the truth. I mean, SEC. Like I said a minute ago, SEC schools. I mean, they exist almost entirely for football. You know, learning and literacy never make it inside the double wide. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, it, it's tough to hear that, uh, to be faced with it with the truth. I mean, in these other schools that I'm that I've talked about today, and in, in the Big Ten, and um, you know, 
they, these are these are places that exist for football, but for other things too. So it's a big picture. Uh, as far as uh, what I would say to these fans, I mean, like I said, Brian, I mean, they they kind of came after me last time I was on, and and I had to hear about the big bad SEC, and they got their butts kicked in bowl season, and everybody ran off with their tail tucked between their legs. Um, you know, we heard you know about what Bama was going to do to Ohio State and third-string quarterback and blah, 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 and they got their butts kicked. And then Wisconsin, it was a very, very, very mediocre uh, team, took it to Auburn, which was supposed to be this big scoring machine, Gus Malzahn. I mean, it just, it's it, you know, it's not lining up. You know, when the rubber meets the road, it's not lining up. So they can keep crying. They can keep, you know, talking about Nick Saban and, and winning a title, a couple titles a few years ago, but times are changing, and uh, it sucks to be an SEC fan. It sucks to be uh, um, these guys right now that are that are praying that uh, that the that the, um, the trends will change. But I just don't see it happening. Well, all right, man. Thanks for joining us, Rick, and uh, call back anytime. We look forward to hearing hearing from right, you fellas. in the near future. All, all right, right, fellas. I Thanks, appreciate bud. it. Yep. All right. That was Rick. Uh, living in Arkansas, or actually living in Michigan from Arkansas. Um, Trey, I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, here's uh, that's where to start. Um, so, I mean, a couple things. I mean, when you talk about a trend, it, it implies more than a year or two. And, you know, the Big Ten isn't really trending anywhere up. I mean, Ohio State is clearly uh, a different team. Um they, they seem to have had a single team every year, and Michigan State was pretty good two years ago, and they won a big game. Um, but I, I'm not so sure I see a trend yet in the Big Ten. I, I still think that as a conference, they're pretty terrible. I mean, Nebraska is trending downward, and they really needed them to be very good. Purdue, Northwestern. I mean, there's a lot of teams there that just aren't very competitive overall. Um, they have a few I really just think teams. it's one team. I think it's one team they have, really. Ohio State, that's it. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's been pretty, pretty top, you know, top 25, and I'll give them that credit. Um, but, you know, I mean, there they're always is a grain of truth when someone like that comes on. And, and, you know, like it or not, the SEC has not won a big game, not a BCS game or a big six game this year. They're 0-4 in those games in the last two years. And that Yeah, that that is what it is, Darby. Yeah. I mean, that number is accurate. But, um to say that um, some of the teams in the SEC aren't going to be right back this year competing, I think, is a little bit of a farce. Uh, I don't think you can say Alabama's trending downward. I think, I mean, they uh, they were in, what, the BCS game two years ago, and this year they were in the playoffs. So if I'm a Florida State fan and we were in the same two situations, we won a championship two years ago, and then this year went to the Final Four, if you will, uh, we lost it, but you know what? As a fan, that's what you live for, and that's what you gotta like. I mean, yeah. the team in 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 it. Uh, in the you know, it was the BCS before. Now it's the football playoff, the Big Six. So uh, I don't think Alabama's trending anywhere right now, other than right now being one of the elite programs. Um, so we're talking about trending, Carvin. I mean, he's right to a point. There is a time when dynasties are. And I don't know that Alabama's a dynasty, but they are certainly in that category of being dominant for a decade or so. Um, they're still pretty dominant, and uh, you know, until they get left out, Carvin, of the when you look at the big six games, you know, the the final four and the, you know the plus two or whatever it is, um, yeah. and they're not in there, then you can start saying they're trending someplace. But right now, they're still at the top of the football world. 
Well, Quinn, I'm trying to bring you on, but I think I'm getting some background noise or whatever. Uh, what are your thoughts on Rick real quick before we have to get out of here? Uh, his holier-than-thou approach on the Big Ten and the rest of the country is, oh, better have is a, a whole bunch of saints is uh, quite funny. You want to go look at arrest records and who's leading for this year and stuff? And it's a Big Ten team. And I find it hilarious that he wants to just nitpick and look at what he wants to look at and doesn't look at the whole picture. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Michigan has their own issues with arrest, too, and he wants to bring that stuff up. He just needs to stick to talking about teams and what they're doing. He seems to be all right with that, but then once he gets into all this all this arrest stuff and how how these programs, how these SEC programs don't know how to run a program and all this, he just needs to stop talking about that because he doesn't have a freaking clue what he's freaking talking about. And also, Auburn hasn't been on probation in the last 20 years. 1993 was the last year they were on probation. That's, uh, you know, over 20 years. So I didn't yeah. say anything so, until I had to calculate it in my brain. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's cheating that goes on in every conference a little bit. I yeah. mean, there, you, you, there's loopholes that every good coach is going to find. And then he talks about the SEC do. would be the only ones to exploit the loopholes. Are you kidding me? Urban Meyer is one of the dirtiest coaches I've ever seen. And, yeah, he's up at Ohio State. And what Trey said about Penn State, let's not forget that that this school almost got shut down completely based on what – you know, we're not talking about sliding a player a few thousand dollars. We're talking about ruining the lives of children. I mean, that's a big difference. Yeah, and he wants to talk about how the SEC would only exploit the loopholes. Every conference would do it. Every every team wants an edge. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, you, you have people out there that hate the SEC. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, you know, they they heard it the first part of last year. Trey, you remember how... Is, are the playoffs going to be the, the top four SEC West teams in the playoffs and all this? And the championship game happened, no SEC teams. I just think that made a lot of people happy. Well, I mean, yeah, possibly. I mean, absolutely. I mean, there are people, um, you know, when you're on top for a while, like the SEC has been in Tarvin, yeah, then you're going to draw haters. I mean, in Florida State is a Florida State fan, believe me, I feel it. Um, but here's the thing, Tarvin, I mean, you have to go through this and beat them. And Ohio State did last year, and they're on the top of the football world, and they should be. They should have um, all the accolades. But guess what? All the hate's coming with it, too. Um, you know, and Urban Meyer's been there and done that. So, you know, but the Big the Big Ten needs to have more than one team that does it, Tarvin. I mean, right now uh, they got one, um, one team last year. You know, Michigan State was their one team the year before. So I want to see more than one team dominate. And right now the Big Ten is the champion, uh, you know, has a champion for college football, and that's great. Um, But, you know, like the ACC couldn't do it two years in a row. Let's see if the Big Ten can. Yeah. Well, uh, Quinn, thanks for calling in, bud, and uh, appreciate you calling in. Jason Humphreys listening to the show. I noticed his number in the chat room. Thanks for listening, Cuervo. Jonathan, thanks for joining us, Trey. We'll be back Sunday night for – 
for a big show. We'll have our NBA predictions on, and we'll talk some college football and the NFL draft as well. All right, buddy. We'll see you next time. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern.